Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Brian Diaries, where my pals and I get together and talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing setting, The World of Darkness. While we may not be subject matter experts on the game lines, we have a passion that has led us to create and share actual plays with you all. Eventually we thought, well shit, we might as well take a stab at a podcast, and here you go. Each episode, we will have a guest content creator to join us to talk about whatever subject is on the table. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of The Brian Diaries. In today's edition, we will be discussing the benefits of injecting cold brew directly into your eyes. Chris has done extensive experimentation in this area, and we are now proud to present the results. Thoughts, Andrew? Disgusting. (laughs) But effective, and also a great laxative, apparently. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't guessed... By our introduction here, we're not actually joined by Chris. Uh, there was a fatal uh, accident involving said injections into the eyes. Uh, R.A.P. Chris. Don't worry, we plan on raising him from the dead very shortly. We just need to all get our catch our flight. Ah, uh, yeah. You think wherever. death will stop the cold brew machine? No, sir. With a large enough cold brew enema and the effective use of resuscitation paddles, we will have Chris upright in no time. Don't you guys worry. <laughs> We are horrible people. (laughs) (laughs) So with that out of the way, yes, welcome to the Brian Diaries. Uh, Today, we're going to be kind of going over some metaplot discussion, events within the world of darkness that uh, you can incorporate into your chronicle or just straight up ignore if you don't like. uh, Metaplot is something that has a lot of, there's a lot of opinions about it out there. Everyone has one. And uh, some people love it, some people hate it. This particular topic will be about the schism that occurred between the clan Azamite. This, uh, well, this is a particular contentious subject in the community of the World of Darkness, uh, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I think anything coming from the time of Thin Blood and the lead-up to Gehenna has been pretty contentious. Everyone has their own interpretations. Some people just hate the idea of it entirely and want to go back to Second Ed where was still this far-off possibility. Whereas others fully embrace the idea and move forward, it's definitely something that has been used in every version of the game since its introduction, to some degree. Even uh, in uh, V20, where it was like, oh, we're taking an agnostic approach to the metaplot and not really integrating it. Well, you know, Beckett's Jihad Diary has an entire chapter dedicated to discussing the Azimite Schism and has one of my favorite exchanges in the fiction I've seen in the books so far. Oh, which change is that? Uh, exchange. There's, um, oh, exchange. There's a, exchange. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a uh, discussion in which the, you know, the, the Azimites that are leaving the, uh, the main clan and joining up with the Camarilla. It's a meeting where they're first introducing the idea to the leaders of the Camarilla and why. And there's this there's this little spat that occurs between one of the Tremere and one of the Azamites, in which the Azamite puts the Tremere in his place regarding blood magic. Yes, I remember reading that. It was very well done. And it was a lovely middle finger <laughs> yeah. to the Tremere representative. And of course I say that with, you know, the Tremere being one of the more enjoyable clans for me to play. 
Oh yeah, they're bastards. It's so much fun to play as one or to have them as antagonists. Tremere are awesome. But we're not here about the Tremere. We're here about the Azimites. And some of you who are not familiar may have guessed already what the Azimite schism is by the name and what we've already said about it. And that is a split between uh, different factions of this uh, clan of vampires. Why don't you uh, delve a little bit into that? Well, as far as the in-world history of the Azimite schism goes, at some point around the Knights of Prophecy which is this vague late 90s, early 2000s period, an Asimite Methuselah named Urshulgi awoke in Alamut, which is the Asimite home fortress. And he was a Path of Blood hardliner who effectively worshipped Hakim as if he were a god. Well, Urshulgi decided that he didn't like Islam or any of the other religions being practiced by members of the Asimite clan. And he began to do a very thorough purge. He started with some of, I believe he started with the head of the warrior caste, and started to work his way downward from there. This yes, caused... uh, Jamal just straight up uh, refused to announce his faith and was uh, killed. Bam, just like that. Because it's Urshulgi and he can do that. I think his description in uh, Children of the Night is that he doesn't so much as move from place to place by walking as he just sort of flickers from place to place. He is he just is, that uh, powerful. Yeah, he is a pretty potent individual, as as you can expect from fourth generation Methuselahs embraced in ancient antiquity. Yeah, he dates back to the Bali War, which is actually a fun apocryphal little bit that didn't make it into the clan books or into print, really, anywhere. Mm-hmm. But we can get to that in a bit. Anyway, so Urshulgi's resurgence causes his child, Alashrad, to go, whoa, what the fuck? And Alashrad eventually leads a exodus of the sorcerer caste, along with a few sympathetic viziers and warriors, into the Camarilla. When Urshulgi woke up, this also had a pretty devastating effect on the Sabbat, in particular the Black Hand, as they were basically waiting for someone to throw off the Tremere curse, which Urshulgi did with minimal effort. And they jumped ship from the Sabbat and went right back to the clan and were like, yep, we are ready to murder everyone. Just tell us what to do. Yeah, a good portion of them were already on like the Path of Cain or on the Path of Blood. And with the curse uh, removed, which, interesting note on that thing, if Urshulgi did it with relative ease and... That passage I had mentioned where they put them in place regarding blood magic and how the armor had uh, – he, he gave a very descriptive explanation on what he thought went into the curse itself and how it was probably done. It leads me to believe that they probably could have lifted this curse a long time ago, but it served their interest to leave it in place. Quite possibly. Very good balancing point to hold against the warriors of, uh, of the clan so that the sorcerers had some sort of uh, – leverage over them. Yep, and I can definitely see Alishra doing that also as a way to, you know, minimize the murderous tendencies that got them into trouble in the first place. Absolutely. Back during, back during the Anarch Revolt. So, crippling the Black Hand, which, depending on which version of the game you look at, has either recovered or has not recovered. I know that By Night Studios has their story. I know that V5 has their story. But we're not One talking... takes a more extreme uh, leaning than the other. Yeah, I'm not too up on the V5 version. I like the rule set to some extent, but I'm not too happy with all of the canon. Well, changes. let's let's say this much. Uh, in V5, they have officially joined the Camarilla. Okay. Well, that that doesn't bother me. The schismatics certainly were heading that way anyways, even in Revised. And yeah. they make a good fit. I mean, the Sorcerers and the Viziers do make a good fit in the Camarilla. Warriors, not so much. But most of the... 
anti-tribunal warriors, so they went where they were probably better suited, that being the Sabbat. Now that we've gone over the history a little bit, what do you particularly like about the schism or don't like about the schism, Andrew? One of my favorite things about the schism between the different factions there is the multitude of story opportunities that it presents to you. Because it's one of those things where it, it has so many different interesting potential stories that you can tell surrounding this one thing alone it is so versatile by being it's such a simple idea you know just we we don't agree with this ancient and we want to join this other faction but it creates so much tension and drama between different characters and potentially between like whole, the whole factions possibly putting them at war with one another you know it just creates an opportunity for you as a player or storyteller to just go ham that's 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 my favorite thing about it is that you can you can just do so much with this one idea. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a hell of a family feud, no doubt. It also opens up all sorts of questions. Um, as you previously mentioned, why was Urshulgi able to get rid of the Tremere curse with a hand wave, whereas Alashrad, who is strong enough to resist Urshulgi, couldn't manage it in almost a thousand years or however five hundred years or so. Yeah, a guy whose uh, write-up includes him having, like, multiple, like, bound demons in his service. And who, you know, was able to stand toe-to-toe with an antediluvian before his embrace, from what I understand, if I remember correctly, as a mage. Because Alistrad yes. was a mage. Yeah, this is a person who was old, ancient, by vampire standards, before he even became a vampire. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I like about the schism is... You know, not just the internal family conflict, but the impact that it has on the world and around it and the way that you can use and introduce that into your stories. Like, what does a random Camarilla city do when, you know, all of a sudden there's 10 new Asimites showing up at the door offering friendship in exchange for refuge? What sort of disruption does that have on the local political structure? How do people start trading favors? Are there any old grudges that need to be resolved? Maybe one of the Asimites asking for refuge had a hand in the assassination of an old primogen and the primogen's child is unhappy about this. You know, what have you there? Or potentially you could have a, a an entire story arc revolved around the integration of these Azimites moving in. You can integrate uh, different ideas around immigration, which is a hot topic. Absolutely. If that's if you want to focus on modern politics, even, you know, this is something that you can have incorporated into some of these uh, characters. You could show neonates who, who have more modern ideas of, of rejecting uh, Islamic beliefs, or you could have these ancients who just don't like the idea of a whole bunch of new vampires moving in uh, into their territory, just kind of uh, creating a lot of conflict within the Camarilla. Yep, and on the other side of the coin, there's probably a lot of stories that could be told about their sudden absence from the Sabbat. You get a pack, say the Ductus and or the Priest were Asmite anti-tribute, all of a sudden the rest of the pack wakes up and they're gone. And then they find out that every Asmite in the city that was part of the Sabbat, is also gone. So how do they deal with the power vacuum? Do they try to find their comrades? Do they wonder why the hell the vinculum didn't work as well as it should have? Are there any last messages, any clues as to what happened? You know, did the Black Hand column that was on some sort of high-security, high-importance mission suddenly lose half of its manpower because they felt the call from Urshulgi and decided to just say, screw it, and head off to the Middle East? You know, what does that do to the Sabbat, and where do they go from there? One of the things that uh, I would probably do myself, were I to have a chronicle featuring this, is um, is look at the the meta plot that V5 tries to advance with their uh, 
their whole um, the calling where all of these uh, different sabbat and elders are just called over to the middle east into these uh, gehenna wars as they're dubbed and in my mind my head canon it's all shurshogi he is the one pulling the strings manipulating all these others this is just the beginning of whatever nefarious plans he has in mind <laughs> i can see that not I mean, really. it does it does line up rather nicely if you think about it. It does, and Urshulgi is fanatical enough to want to eradicate as many other vampires as possible, and he could have enough access to enough low generation blood from other clans to establish some sort of ritual that summons everyone to the Middle East. Absolutely, it's not like the Asmites haven't been hunting other kindred since you know they were created. Not only that, they've been accepting payment in blood. Payments in blood for their services rendered that they have brought back to Alamut. So, yes, they definitely have the Vitae they need to perform something like this. Yep. I mean, what else does a ancient, powerful blood magus do whenever he wakes up to vast stores of Vitae from vampires all over the world? Looks like he's got a lot of work ahead of him. And probably yes. a lot of fun as well. If you were to use this idea in a chronicle, what what, what would be your method? The idea that Urshulgi is summoning everyone to the Middle East? Not necessarily that, just the schism in general. How would how would you integrate it into a story? If, would you focus on it directly? Would, would you pick one specific type of idea from it? When the schism originally was published, I was actually running a Sabbat LARP, and there were, I want to say, four or five Asimite anti-tribute PCs in the game. And I remember discussing it with them, whether or not they would have their characters stay with the Sabbat or leave. One of the side plots I ran was the disappearance of an Azimite anti-tribute bishop who ended up heeding the call and going back to the Middle East, along with the disappearance of one of the higher-ups in the regional Black Hand structure. Because naturally, one of the players in the game was a Black Hand member after having invested like a year's worth of effort into it. So I did incorporate that, and it wasn't a major focal point for the game as a whole, but it did have an impact on those five characters. They ended up staying in the Sabbat because they were all more or less on the path of Cain and were worshipping Cain very diligently. But in a new game, you know, say either on TCBN or even a home game, focusing on that, I would probably want to deal with an all-Asamite game. You know, get a coterie of Asamites who operate as sort of a cell, maybe have a vizier, as the point man for social interaction with whoever wants to hire them for assassinations and the like, or you know, evidence gathering, evidence planting, whatever you want to hire an estimate for. And then have the schism occur and have the vizier want to go with Al Ashrad, whereas maybe the PCs are all the warriors and or sorcerer, have them sort of decide for themselves what to do and where to go, and make that the central conflict, you know which character wants to do X, Y, or Z, and why. And then maybe see if there's, you know, how they want to respond to the supernatural call of Urshulgi. Is one of them on Path of Blood? Is one of them on Humanity? Is one of them on some sort of road of heaven that focuses on Islam? And how they would, how that particular character would respond to the call. How would you run it? I think that's an interesting idea, having a, an all-Azimite uh, uh focused story where you have these different these different uh, people trying to reconcile their differences and come to a, a, a decision for themselves on what they want to do and it's it's a very difficult decision to make because if you recall part of 
part of Urshulgi's uh, demands is that uh, all of the clan, they renounce any other gods besides Hakim. Any reverence to another deity of any kind. And quite a few of the Asmites, well, they're, they're Islamic. And there are some uh, Christian and Jewish uh, followers among them as well. Yep, you bring in like the Lepers of Zion, the Sisterhood of Arinyes or Arinis, can't pronounce it properly, who are Greek. Um, I mean, the Web of Knives is going to obviously go towards Urshulgi because that's kind of their dig. Their gig is assassination. But I can see the Leopards of Zion saying, hell no, and joining the schismatics to a man. If I were to use this myself, I would integrate it as sort of a a plot point within the story that adds tension to a city. It would be something where, like I discussed before, with Azamites moving into a new city, and just the tension that that itself causes, the friction between different characters, you know, even people who want to allow them in and others who don't. A thing that I've always wanted to do is run a uh, story based on my own hometown here in Dallas. And um, there's a few, like, canon characters that would make excellent excellent characters in there um one of those being Merlinda of the tremere she her haven is in dallas in her whole write-up there's that little tidbit that one little line it's like hmm that's interesting and it also mentions how she is one of those who embraces the idea of the asmites coming to the camarilla she's like the one tremere on their side what's her mission what's her goal why does she want them there how would that work whenever she is jockeying against the prince of the area trying to integrate these Azimites into the social structure for whatever ulterior motive she has. Because let's be real here, no Tremere has any uh, sort of benevolent ideas when it comes to any other vampire. Yeah, that's actually a really cool idea. Like, make all the PCs either Tremere or Asimite, and they are compelled to work together by their very superiors. I can see that would be a really good idea. I like that. Even if they're not all Tremere and Asimite, you know, just watching the politics, the play out, you know, people trying to broker favors, work out deals. Mm -hmm. You know, you have these uh, Tremere, uh, sorry, these uh, Asimite coming in and they are trying to gain domain. They need a place to live. But there's all of these other vampires already here and they already have their established domains. And and there's this prince trying to help like get them integrated, but like they're stepping on toes everywhere they go. And everyone's upset. They're blaming the prince. They're blaming the Azimites. They're they're just pointing fingers. It can cause chaos. It can cause all sorts of complications. Oh yeah, absolutely. Plus if you have other established independents like followers of Set who also have a very uh, dim view of the Asimites, what favors might they pull to influence the Camarilla's politics? Or do the Asimites quietly eliminate them on the, you know, on the DL? That's, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of story potential there. Absolutely. Now, what do you not like about the schism? Um, there's very little about it that I don't actually like. But there, there's a few things that stand out to me. One, it kind of... Uh, some of the writing, the way it is presented, isn't exactly it's not exactly done well, I don't think. There's some there's some some of the books where where the idea is first presented, it's just kind of it feels kind of out of nowhere and ham fisted. And the way they write it just over time they've gotten better. 
especially like I said, with like the Beckett's Jihad diary, the way they handled it there, and some of the integration of E5. That over time, it's um it's gotten better. They've expanded on it more, and they kind of talked about it in different ways that make it um that make it more easily used. But initially, it was just kind of like, well, this is coming out of nowhere, and it seems just, oh yeah, this this ancient just woke up out of nowhere and just did this stuff. But you know, the longer I thought about, it, the more I was like. That's actually kind of how it would work in the world of vampires, wouldn't it? Just some ancient just wakes up and just fucks everything up for everybody. That is kind of a major theme in the whole game itself. You know, some ancient wakes up and suddenly you have Chicago falling to shit. Chicago was, like, the main plot lines in Chicago was an argument between ancients, one of whom was a relatively recent awakening. And because of their polite disagreement, (laughs) to put it nicely, uh, because of their disagreement... You know, an entire city basically was thrown into chaos. And that's just two ancients with a personal dispute with one another. It's not, you know, someone of Urshulgi's standing with a global dispute with every other kindred who is not an Asimite. Not just not an Asimite. He'll, he'll, he'll fully uh, embrace, not capital E, the regular use of embrace. He'll fully embrace anyone who's willing to convert to his way of thinking. If you, if you come and you, you are... You worship Hakim and you follow his uh, tenets. Yes, absolutely. You are welcome. But uh, the fact is that there's so very few who who can or are willing to even do that. So it sounds like what you're kind of alluding to there is that the Asimites are, in a way, becoming another Sabbat, a religious fanatic sect hell-bent on murdering Diablery. Yeah. They kind of are turned into that. And that's that's another thing that um, I dislike about it is because it turns those who stay behind into just murderous, like you said, murderous Diablerists. That's really all they are. It's an all-Asimite Sabbat. And yeah. that, you know, they're, they're going to compete with the Sabbat because instead of wanting to eliminate the Antediluvians, they want to worship and lift one in particular up to primacy. So there's going to be a lot of conflict there. And that's actually going to be pretty devastating to the Sabbat itself, because a lot of the Sabbat anti-tribute that returned to the main clan after Urshulgi woke woke up, they have a considerable amount of information on the Sabbat. A number of the secrets, a number of like haven locations, power structure details. Yeah, they could easily do a lot of damage to them. And when, when you have this uh, massive group of murder hobos who that's their only driving goal then well guess what's going to happen yeah so maybe instead of a uh, sabat giovanni war or sabat camarilla war maybe eventually the sabat gets caught up in a war with the asimites and has to kind of relax on the camarilla for a little bit because of it yeah like i said there's there's potential for all kinds of stories some of the ramifications however are things that just leave a sour taste in my mouth and that's that's one of them and what the remaining what the remaining asimites become yeah, I agree with you that it was a little bit ham-fisted at first. It wasn't presented as an option. And a lot of the meta plot from the late 90s was very ham-fisted, or if not ham-fisted, but very like, this is what's happening, period. Not, here's an idea that your game could use, or you could leave it alone. So like, The Time of Thin Blood with the Red Star, that was written as an absolute within the game world, and not a lot of people were happy about that. I've had the book referred to as the time of thin plot because people disliked it that much. So regarding the Asmite schism though, that sort of, you know, like I said, that falls into the ham fisted as well. One of the other things that I didn't like is that with the way the schism was presented, it artificial, it wasn't evenly done. It's not 
this group of Asimites with this set of beliefs left Alamut. It was the sorcerers left Alamut for the most part. You know, it was dividing up the bloodlines arbitrarily without saying this faction from mixed bloodlines within the clan left. Yes, yes. And that's that's another issue that I just have with uh, Vampire the Masquerade as a whole, presenting clans and bloodlines as entire, like, unified factions, you know, like with the, the gangrel all leaving together and other similar things. It just never really sat well with me whenever they do something like that, where, no, no, these guys are all members of this. Yeah. They're like frat bros, you know? Yeah. It's not one of those things that um, I really enjoy about... Uh, the setting. I, I like having mixture. I like having my anti-tribute and other other things that um, are sprinkled throughout the world. Well, the Asimites do have the Dispossessed, which are kind of like the Anarch Asimites. So you combine that, you know, you could use them as sort of a mixed group. Dispossessed sorcerers, viziers, and warriors sort of all together doing their own thing. But I hear you absolutely on having the anti-tribute, having representation of each of the lineages and each of the sects. In some cases it makes sense, though, that one lineage would be present in only one sect, like the Chiasid in the Sabbat. At least using the original Chiasid, not the Dark Ages 20th edition bullshit Chiasid. Of course, of course you would have an issue with them. <laughs> Sorry, I hate that book so hard. <laughs> but I've, I've ranted about that elsewhere. But, like, the original plot with, like, Marconius being a Lysandre within the Sabbat doing his thing and then having a very limited number of children, it makes sense. But, like, with the Asimite anti-tribute, they were all warriors. As if none of the viziers or none of the sorcerers took issue with the curse that was imposed on them and decided to, you know, hey, you know what, I'm going to go over there with these guys and avoid the curse. No, no, they were all warriors, period. And it's like the Camarilla Asimites are now all sorcerers and viziers, not warriors. It just feels very forced and artificial. Yeah. So there are some problems with it. Any other uh, things on this subject you want to cover? That was a good question. I think I have exhausted the things that I have to say on the subject. So if you have any other things, we can talk about that. Uh, otherwise, we can move on to our break and come back to what we're doing on TCP in the future. I think now's a good time for a break. I think we've really hammered home most of the big points on the schism. Okay, then. Seeded some story ideas out there. A few that I may end up using myself. <laughs> oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Why have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. Okay, welcome back. 
to the Brian Diaries. Now, let's uh, let's talk about upcoming projects, uh, things that will be coming out on the channel, what you can expect, and uh, what you're looking forward to. So first off, 13th Age is going to be coming out come tomorrow after recording this. And then shortly after that, this will be releasing as well. So those of you hearing this, this is coming out a week after the 13th Age is being released. I didn't listen to that um, entire thing yet. I was waiting for the uh, thing to get uploaded. I want to hear the edited version of that one on my drive. So I don't know how it went. Uh, did you participate at all? I did not participate. Okay, well, hopefully our guys uh, did something mind-blowing. I'm sure they had a wonderful time. From the conversation that was posted in the Discord, it looked like they did. Yeah. I'm, looking, I'm personally looking forward to the next uh, Cthulhu one-shot in which the player characters go on a nice cruise, and as Craig puts it, nothing bad happens. Nothing. Nothing at all. Of course not. It's just a lovely time at sea. That's never a bad thing in the Call of Cthulhu universe. Never. Yeah. A little fishing, some tanning. Just spend time on the beach drinking rum. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yep. And then next month, we'll start recording the Demon the Fallen game again. Yeah. Yeah. You You excited for that? I am looking forward to that. I want to get rolling on that again. I feel a little rusty due to the hiatus, but that is partially my own fault. So we'll get that back in the gear. Well, the first couple of episodes that come out, those were really engaging. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of Demon. I don't like Demon at all. But I enjoyed listening to the game that you guys played because of the way the characters were able to just kind of <laughs> kind of like, you're, you know, it's very obvious they're alien. They're not human. They are something else that's trying to be human. And it's just so unusual for them. It was just so it was good. It was very good. Yeah, I got to say, everyone's doing a great job with that so far. Um, now I just got to get all my notes together so that those alien and interesting characters have something to do besides eat barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got to ease into it. The ultimate evil style, you know? Yes. Yes. We'll go from barbecue to heroin addictions in no time though. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Actually on the subject of ultimate evil, we have uh, some more of that coming up. That's going to be, uh, who that's, you know, that's Chris, Chris never has anything uh, easy for us with that. Oh, I haven't heard the newest session. Um, Unfortunately, I was unable to participate as I was stuck at work that entire weekend. Well, and I am um, looking forward to diving in again. We we have the uh, the episodes have gone up, so you know if you want to on your on a commute, maybe pop it into your uh, in, in your car, play it, play it in your playlist, whatever. However, you listen to your things. I don't know. Download it onto my phone via Podbean and hope that it works. <laughs> hope that it works. You know, that's the only time I can get anything to work with Podbean anymore is if I download it. Streaming doesn't work for some reason anymore. Uh, our gripes about Podbean aside. Uh, <laughs> it's because this is interesting things that people listen to the podcast yes. for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, uh, what other projects do we have coming up? I, I can only think of, uh, I can only think of Ultimate Evil and the one shots that we have coming up. Yeah, we've got the Demon. one shot that uh, is in the early stages of planning. Yeah. Was there anything else? I think we're hoping to get an Eclipse phase chronicle going or eclipse phase series yeah but i think that's far off into the future but i think that would be a lot of fun so mm. get on that tillman oh and uh you know important thing uh the story arc of uh, corruption wrapped up that's something that we did recently yes yes we did that was something else i didn't expect it to end when it ended to be honest even though as a storyteller i kind of made that decision it just it was one of those things where kind of had to for narrative purposes 
the thing the there there was more I wanted to go into, but I think uh, that, that it was better served to turn that into a second story arc that we do at, at a d- later date in the future. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back into that. I think there's going to be a lot of fun for all the PCs to see their changes between the first arc and the second arc. Yeah. I, without trying to give away too much, I will say that I was very surprised at the survival rate that we had. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, we didn't know how that was going to go. It was down to dice, and, yep. uh, well, if you guys want to know, go listen to that. It was, <laughs> uh, it was fun. Suicidal characters. <laughs> it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think that, um, the characters learned some valuable lessons from their experiences. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Well, those that survived, at least. <laughs> So that's uh, that's it for our upcoming projects, and uh, I think we're just about done here. Yeah, I think we've covered everything. Yeah. So, as Chris always says, drink lots of cold brew. Get out of here. I'm going to talk to my friend. In memoriam, Chris. In memoriam. We will drink cold brew in your honor, at least until we have finished the enema and resuscitation slash resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, folks, and we will be back soon. High level game the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin that's highlevelgames.ca please help they're coming